over the next little while, we're going to talk about ministry and the internet. And uh, that's, that's a, a vital thing for us to be talking about because this is year 2013 and everything happens online. Everything. So let's pray and then begin. Our Father in heaven, thank you that we can be here today. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the wonderful message of hope and blessing and salvation we have. We thank you that the three angels are currently flying in the midst of heaven. And I pray that we all can be part of that loud voice that is proclaiming in these last days your last day message. So bless us as we meet together. Bless this time. We pray, I pray that each of us would derive something from these few minutes that would enhance our ministry and help us to be more effective instruments in your hands. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for being here. In case you didn't know, my name is John Bradshaw. I uh, represent a ministry called It Is Written. Thank you very much. And we are going to be talking about ministry and the Internet. I, I titled this once upon a time, Sharing Jesus in the Online Marketplace. And really, that's, that's, that's what I could, I could title this today. I shared this presentation or something very much like it at Southern Union ASI. And uh, somebody evidently was blessed by it enough that it was suggested that we do something similar here. And at that ASI gathering, I began by defining our topic. You know, I was on the debating team in high school and... and what our opening speaker would always do would be to define the topic. Take each word of the topic and, and break it down and share what it meant. So as we today are talking about internet, the internet and ministry, we're talking about sharing Jesus in the online marketplace. Sharing Jesus connotes evangelism, connotes witnessing. So as we talk about the internet and ministry, we want to talk about how the internet can be used to share Jesus, to assist in the work of evangelism. The internet, I'm digressing already, could be the most useless thing ever invented. In fact, if you were looking for uh, a quantity of uselessness, you would probably find more useless stuff on the internet than in any one place in the universe. The internet is full of garbage. On the other hand, there is now no more effective tool for sharing Jesus, no single more effective tool that we have than the Internet. Now, you know, somebody who believes in the, in the printed page and is, is, uh, leans in that direction probably has a point because, you know, books aren't ever affected by power outages. But the Internet gives us the opportunity to share one book with seven, almost seven billion people at once. It's a marvelous tool. So when we're looking at sharing Jesus, the internet must be a tool that we use. I would be saddened to think that there was any ministry or any person doing ministry who chose intentionally not to utilize the internet. Because via the internet, you can be all over the world in a single moment. It is a marvelous thing. We recently held an evangelistic series in Lisbon, Portugal, 120 churches in Portugal joined with us in this 
uh, internet, uh, in this evangelistic series, via the internet. No, uh, uh, pretty basic technology is all that was required. I was in Lisbon, we were speaking to the central church, or the, I think it's the central church, and then other churches and other sites around Portugal joined us. When we did Le Grand Espoir in Paris, France last year, we had people from 80 different countries joining us. No satellite dish was needed. And in fact, we had people join us from Saudi Arabia, Syria, and Yemen. Now in Yemen, not too many people put up satellite dishes and tell their neighbors they're watching Christian broadcasting. So the internet gave us an unparalleled opportunity to share Jesus with the world. So sharing, sharing, evangelizing, witnessing, proclaiming, sharing Jesus. I think it's important to keep in mind because the internet, anything, anything technological for some people can become an end in itself. That is... Um, you know, if the church has a whole lot of money to spend on um, um, PA equipment, on a sound system, you've got to look out for the sound system guys. And I don't even mind if I offend them, because what I'm about to say is true. The sound guy in your church, or it might be a sound woman in your church, where you want to spend 6000 will want to spend 96000 because he or she will tell you, we've got to have the latest this and the greatest that and the best this and the best that. They may even be right. They may even be right. But when it comes to technology, the technology can be an end in itself. You know what I'm saying. And there's, there's, there's no end to the spending and the creating and the making and the uploading and the designing. There's no end. So keep this in mind. When it comes to the internet and ministry, we're interested in sharing Jesus in the online marketplace. We don't want to just make a splash. We're not looking at sharing our creativity. We don't want the world to think how clever we are. The internet ought to be used by God's people to share Jesus as effectively as possible. And then when we think about the online marketplace, um, th that's where commerce happens. That's where, for many people, church happens. That's where Bible study happens. I had a fascinating conversation with my son and daughter. We, uh, we, went to, we went to eat at, a, at an Indian restaurant not far from where I live. And I remarked to my wife and I said, Melissa, do you remember when we came to Simi Valley? That's where we, now, where we live and work now. We used to go to Simi Valley sort of annually for the West Point of Evangelism conferences. And some of you will know what I'm talking about. And we would go to West Point and then we'd say, well, we need to go and eat. But where will we eat? Now, Simi Valley is a town of about 120,000 people and probably 500 restaurants. I don't know. And we never knew where to go and eat. There was a list inside the little folder in the hotel room. And then you would ask somebody at the door, where can we eat? And that was that. And I said to Melissa, do you remember when we came to Simi and we couldn't hardly find a place to eat? And I said, and now all you have to do if you want to find a place to eat is go online. We're in, um, I don't even know what part of Orlando we're in, but let's say, just say we're in, in Orlando. And if you want to find an Ethiopian restaurant in Orlando, you go online and you, you Google Ethiopian restaurant Orlando or near me. And boop, up it comes. My children said, Dad, 
What did you do before Google? <laughs> and I explained. We had to ask the person at the front desk, look in a hotel room, or look in the yellow pages. They were astonished. They couldn't imagine living in a society so backwards. We aren't backwards anymore. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, many of us here now are old enough that we were backwards once. And we need to force ourselves, cause ourselves, train ourselves to think forward. I was speaking with a, a, a very large entity within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Well, I wasn't speaking to the entity, but the, the, the leader of that entity. And he said that his sons are his best critics when it comes to online. Because his sons go to the website of that entity and say, Dad, there's nothing on your website that moves. A guy like me, I wouldn't even think about move. I'd be saying, hey, we've got a website. That's cool. But anyone 25 years old or younger is going to go to the website and say, that is really a dull website. So we need to be thinking that life happens online. And it's good now to be thinking like our online audience thinks. I'll talk about target demographics in just a moment because your internet ministry might not be interested in the under 25 crowd. And that would be okay if that's where your aim is. So, so these are just some things to keep in mind. Sharing, witnessing. Jesus lifting up the Son of God and His end time message in the online marketplace. Online requires a certain mindset, requires a special way to think. That's where we are. We are not living in the olden days now. No yellow pages. I don't even know when I last looked in a telephone book. In fact, I probably haven't looked in the last two telephone books that were sent to me at our home. The internet is a marvel. I remember years ago in the late 90s, Time magazine talking about how the internet was going to change your life. And I feel so far from you. I'm, I'm actually feeling a sense of... Um, my friend's dog had it. When they were apart from people, the dog went crazy, and I feel like I might go crazy. Here's what we'll do, is we'll just put this here, and then I'll cheat by reading my notes from there. I'm not going to use a projector. Um, I, I didn't read the article through because, honestly, computers didn't turn me on. When I was in high school, our, uh, our, our, one of our locker rooms was gutted and they put in a computer room. And I said to the guy putting the computer room in, computers, they'll never last. What did I know? And as I looked at this article about the online marketplace, and did they used to call it the superhighway or the electronic highway or something? I thought to myself, I don't understand it and maybe I never will. But that's where we are now. Life has progressively gone in that direction. So it's imperative that we consider what we do in the online marketplace. Listen to what Ellen White said. Let every worker in the master's vineyard study, plan, devise methods to reach the people where they are. We must do something out of the common course of things. We must arrest the attention. We must be deadly in earnest. We are on the very verge of times of trouble and perplexities that are scarcely dreamed of. Arrest the attention. Something out of the common order of things. She's not talking sensationalism. But she's saying, attract people's attention, grab them. With the internet, we have a chance to do that. Listen to this. That was from the book of Evangelism, page 122. This is page 130. We must take every justifiable means of bringing the light before the people. 
Let the press be utilised. Let every advertising agency be employed that will call attention to the work. This should not be regarded as non-essential. On every street corner, you may see placards and notices calling attention to various things that are going on, some of them of the most objectionable character. And shall those who have the light of truth be satisfied with feeble efforts to call the attention of the masses to the truth? Ellen White was a forward thinker. And she wouldn't be content with feeble efforts. Now, please consider with me how, the, how vast the online marketplace has become. I really do feel very frustrated by this. But uh, no, it won't move. It's taped to the ground. Don't pull up the tape. I would feel bad. Oh, I see what you're going to do. Bright people. Thank you. Please do that. Listen to this. Uh, this is from a website called internetworldstats.com. You are fine fellows. Thanks. I didn't even have the presence of mind to think like you. Think about this. That's, that's right. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Now, the reason I share these statistics with you is it helps us understand how vast the internet marketplace is and therefore how huge your opportunity is. And if you have an online presence now, you can't be thinking, well, I'm from Anderson, Georgia, so this is for the people in Anderson, Georgia. You can't be thinking that small anymore. Yes, maybe you are primarily targeting people in Anderson, Georgia, or, or, or White Plains, New York, or Apopka, Florida. That's fine. But because you are now global when you're on the Internet, you've got to think about the enormity of your audience. Listen to this. About the end of the year 2000, there were 360 million internet users in the world. But a dozen years later, that number had increased by 566%. 12 years ago, North America was in a virtual tie with Asia for the most internet users. North America is now third behind Asia and Europe. Now, the population of North America is smaller than that of Asia, and it's much less than half of that of Europe. But this statistic suggests that the opportunities in the marketplace are significant. Even if you're in small town America or big city America, your audience is global and it is massive. In fact, Latin America and the Caribbean has just about as many internet users as the United States. So if you're looking to be evangelistic and share Jesus, this gives you a remarkable opportunity. In 2012, I'm sorry, I'm a year out, 44%, uh, 45% of Internet users were in Asia, with China there, that's, that's not surprising, and India, that's not surprising. 21.5% Europe, 11.5% North America. So 88.5% of Internet users are outside the United States. You must keep that in mind. The Middle East, 3.7%. Africa, 7%. That's going to grow. The United States has the second highest number of internet users by country, almost twice that of India, but well under half of that of China. Huge amounts of opportunity. Then think about how people are accessing the internet online. Thank you very much. Uh, did you bring my phone? Oh, you have it there. Okay, thank you very much. Um, people aren't just accessing the internet on things like this anymore. But lots and lots of people are doing what some of you are doing right now and accessing the Internet on their mobile phones or on their tablets or, or whatever it is. 
preachers can't afford to be boring anymore because if they are, out come the mobile phones. I guess that's, that's a challenge to preachers. Uh, smartphones and tablets and all sorts of stuff, the number of mobile users is increasing rapidly. So instead of just being online, you want to be mobile online. Right now, there are 174 million Americans going online on their telephones. By two years' time, three years from now, that number will increase to 265 million people. So we need to understand not only who we're reaching, people, but how we're reaching them and where we're reaching them. I can share a little bit with you about what we have learned at It Is Written. We have been online since day one, not day one of It Is Written, but day one virtually since the internet. And we've used media online a lot. We have had some great successes. We have learned a few lessons. We are still learning. I will share with you what might be a warning or it might simply be perspective. Let me share with that. I want to share some tools with you today. I want to share some ideas with you today about how you can use the internet effectively. The internet can be several things. It can be engaging. It can be exciting. It can be time consuming. It can be expensive. And it can be a colossal waste of time. Jesus talked about the need for counting the cost before you go into war. Before you go online, you need to count the cost. It can be done inexpensively, and it can cost you a huge amount of money. What we've been called to do is to share Jesus. So, if you are going to have an online presence, you need to know why you have that online presence. The reason is that ultimately, through your internet portal, whatever kind it is, you'll want to connect people with Christ. What you're doing is to connect people with Jesus. Now, if, you have a, if you're a plumber and what you're doing is you've got Joe's Plumbing website, you know, you might need to think creatively. Not too hard on Joe's Plumbing website to get people to connect with Jesus because you can link to all kinds of places on your website. The question is, who's going to come to Joe's Plumber, Joe the Plumber's website? Oh, Joe the Plumber. I shouldn't use him as an example. But uh, Bob the Plumber. Um, the Internet uh, it is for sharing Jesus for us as Seventh-day Adventists. Yet the Internet can be possibly the ultimate example of a clash between style and substance. Now... To hear some people speak, the internet is the simple answer to all your ministry problems. To hear some people speak, Facebook is your ticket to engaging the world for Jesus. I don't subscribe to either point of view. I simply don't. I was at a media seminar once. And somebody decided to show us how effective the internet can be by showing us very popular YouTube clips. Now, until recently, and it still may be, the most popular clip on YouTube is that little Charlie. Charlie bit my finger. You heard this, you know, Charlie, Charlie. It's about a minute long, and it's as funny as all get out, and it's cute. And it's been watched half a billion times. But I would like you to compare... Charlie bit my finger with the third angel's message. Lady Gaga or Katy Perry 
have songs that have been viewed on YouTube or Vivo or whatever it is about 300 million times, which is truly scary. Um, there was a guy who saw a double rainbow and just went nuts, freaked out, saying how wonderful the double rainbow was. 35 and a half million people watched that YouTube clip. I'll be honest with you. What I have found on Facebook, and we are learning on Facebook, for the most part, people respond to fluff. For the most part. If we post on Facebook, we just had an evangelistic series and 100 people were baptized, we'll get some response. Praise the Lord. If we put on Facebook, um, God knows the troubles you're going through and is there to lead you, which is not meaningless, we'll be inundated with response. Inundated. Or I should have given you a better example of something rather trivial and meaningless. So the Facebook crowd tends to like fluff, which isn't very reassuring, actually. However, I believe that if you can engage the Facebook crowd for a while with whatever it takes to engage him, at least you've got their eyeballs when you put on your Facebook page, hey, for excellent Bible studies, go to this website. At least you've got them. Now, those posts on our Facebook page, we don't get a lot of response at all. But people see them. But the more general, general inspirational stuff that really isn't going to make a difference in too many lives, that gets seen and shared and it goes like crazy. So, we need to understand that what we are doing on the internet and what Charlie Bit My Finger is doing on the internet are two very different things. And if you think for a moment that you're going to do something that's going to get 25 million hits on the internet, I'm here to tell you that you're probably not. In fact, if you do, it probably won't be for a good reason. Uh, if you look around the internet, you will see that people love cute babies, cute animals, rock stars, and people who make fools of themselves. At that same conference I attended, another speaker said, if you get half a million hits on your website, all that proves is that you got half a million hits on your website. That's it. I recall an Adventist website having a cute little thing that was very popular. I believe it was on its website or it may have been an attachment that got sent around. And it was popular. It was cool. It was just a little animated thing. It was kind of neat. And uh, the organization that did it today is virtually extinct. Had a cool little moment in the sun, Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes of Fame. You see, we don't want to think about the internet as a chance just to get noticed or as a chance to get lots of hits. We want to use the internet to present Jesus. I would rather have 10 people click on Jesus than a million people come by our website and click on nothing at all. And uh, as you start to get involved in internet ministry, keeping that perspective is going to help a lot. We have been given a message. We as a people have a mission. We've been given our mandate from God, and the internet ought to be used to further that. 
if we're going to use the internet at all. So now, here are some questions I want you to ask yourself as you're thinking of internet for ministry. Number one, what's your objective? Number two, who is your audience? Number three, how big a hole are you digging for yourself? And we'll get back to that just a little bit later. And it is written, our objective is to engage people in considering the claims of Jesus on their lives. We do that in a variety of ways. We've got our half-hour television program. We've got our uh, one-minute daily devotional. I'll tell you about that more in a moment. We have online Bible studies. We've got My Place with Jesus, our website for kids. We've got our archives of evangelistic series and radio programs and so forth. We want people to engage, but to engage for a purpose. Eyeballs for the sake of eyeballs don't mean too much. Now, you can engage people for Christ. You want them to open up their Bible, to get into Bible studies, to study and come to know Jesus in an important way. You can do that. I hear from people time and time and time again. Came to your website. Number three was, how deep a hole are you digging for yourself? We'll come back to that later on. We hear from people again and again and again. I am baptized, and here's why. Why? I came to your website. What happened? I started studying the Bible. Or, I started watching the programs, and that led me to Bible study. So, what you want to do is get people to engage. Making a splash for the sake of making a splash doesn't help. What does it profit a ministry if it attracts the whole world and never wins a soul? So now, if you look on YouTube, you'll find something done in association with Florida Hospital a parody about a bad ventist app. Last time I checked it at 85,000 views. That's pretty good. A flash mob thing from Southern Adventist University, 25,000 views. Pretty good. Neither of them are Charlie but my finger, and neither piece is going to save a soul. So in terms of evangelism, I'd say useless. But maybe it's fun and maybe it's okay. Uh, Oprah talking to a Seventh-day Adventist filmmaker has been viewed about 110,000 times. And the Adventist man, a man named Devon Franklin, shares in that clip why he keeps the Seventh-day Sabbath. Now, that's a meaningful piece. Uh, He's an executive at Columbia Pictures. That's significant. But that's lightning in a bottle. If you're a dentist or or a small business owner or the pastor of a congregation, you're fooling yourself if you think you're going to get a million people to YouTube. So... Don't aim for a million people. Aim for somebody and let God do something with that. The numbers, I mean, obviously, the more, the merrier. The bigger, the better in terms of meaningful content. But I would encourage you not to knock yourself out trying to be the next big internet sensation. There's no need for that. What's your objective? Your objective is to, sh- is to share Jesus and give people the opportunity to respond to that. So what we know is that people are studying the Bible online. They're looking for answers to Bible questions online. People are looking for encouragement on the Internet. So while I don't want you to prescribe your particular objective, while, or rather, while I do not want to prescribe for you your objective, if you can give people the opportunity to receive truth, to come to Jesus, to learn the message, then only good things can happen. And I don't know if I've got this later on in my notes or not, but I'll share it now. Please be very careful with what you you post online, because once it's out there, you can't get it back again. 
you've got to be very, very careful. I don't know if he does or not, but I imagine that young man who became a Seventh-day Adventist probably regrets letting somebody stick on the internet how he says, don't watch my television program, it's filth, it's this, it's that. I don't know, I haven't asked him, I don't know. But I imagine somebody must have some regret over that. If it was me, I'd, I'd have gone off and lived in a cave. I'd regret it terribly. Um, you want to be careful about the claims you make. You know Seventh-day Adventists are good at making claims about what other people believe. Often we are right. We're not always right. We're not always right. Sometimes we misrepresent what Catholics believe. Sometimes we don't get it quite right when we explain what other Protestants believe. So I would encourage you, play it safe. When you publish something on the internet, make sure you have your facts straight. You don't need to knock someone out with a knockout punch. Just lift up Jesus and share the truth. You don't have to make claims about the Pope. That, 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 that uh, unnecessary. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I wish this wasn't being recorded. The next time someone tells you the Pope's brother is an Adventist, don't forward that to somebody else and say, did you hear this? Or don't even ask anyone if it's true. Because I'm here to tell you today, it wasn't true. It isn't true, and it will never be true. The, Pope, the Pope's favorite author wasn't Ellen White, isn't Ellen White, won't ever be Ellen White. So while the internet is a great way for you to offend people, it's also a great way for you to make yourself look like a fool. So please be careful. You can't always get it right, but a little caution mixed together with a modicum of common sense and you'll save yourself a lifetime of headaches. These young people who get drunk and act a fool at parties and stick it on Facebook, I'm just sorry for them. So now, what we do at It Is Written is a little different from most other places in as much as I can't think of too many other ministries who produce original television program, uh, programming all year long that focuses on teaching Bible truth. I mean, we, we continue to create new 30-minute television programs every month of the year and, and put that on the Internet. We've increased the amount of filming that we do on location now. Because it's relatively inexpensive to do so, we've been filming TV programs in Paris and London and, and the Czech Republic and up the road at Florida Hospital and Gettysburg and Germany and outside the Vatican and all kinds of stuff. They appear on TV, that's good, but they reside online. And we know that. We know people can go onto the internet and watch them forever. We know that they watch our television programs and because they're on our website watching TV programs, they can click where it says Bible studies and study there. At a recent, uh, uh, less than a year ago, at one of our partnership events in Gettysburg, I met a lady named Mary. I said, Mary, uh, how did you come to be here? And she said, you sent me a letter inviting me. Of course, I remembered sending the letter as it happened. 
She told me that she had come to our website while doing Bible study. She searched, and her search led us to it is written, led her to itiswritten.com. She was so taken with what she was learning in the Bible studies and watching on the TV programs and watching on the one-minute daily devotional that she signed up to get that she searched out her local Seventh-day Adventist church and started attending. She was now a partner in It Is Written's ministry because she was engaged with the website online. So she was offered something on the internet that could potentially change her life. Truth, Jesus, a difference, peace, answers. So what's your objective? If your objective is to get people to read The Great Controversy, then somehow you're going to build your website around offering The Great Controversy. If your objective is to uh, get people to study the Bible, then your funnels need to be leading people to study the Bible. I need to say this. I don't, need, I don't need to try to pretend to be an expert in all things online. All I know is that we do a lot of stuff on the internet. I know what works to a degree and I know what has failed to a degree. But something that's important is something that is called search engine optimization. You see, people go to Google and they type in Bible studies. So whose website are they going to go to? You say to yourself, well, I've got a website offering Bible studies. But there are other websites, bigger websites, more popular websites that the internet has a happy habit of going to first because the search engines, Google and Yahoo and everything else, pick up on certain clues and keys and keywords. I don't need to tell you all about search engine optimization other than to tell you find out about search engine optimization and figure out how you can use that tool to uh, uh, give your website a better chance of being higher up the list when Google pulls in those 17,000 websites. In fact, there is a fellow here at ASI at a ministry called I7. And he's somebody, you find him out in the booths. I wish I could remember his name. Okay, good, he's not here. Uh, that wasn't you. That's your son. All right, there you go. What was his name? Eric Wagner. Eric Wagner. I met Eric this morning. That was his name, exactly. I remember now. Eric Wagner is an expert in search engine optimization. You know, Jesse Johnson, my good friend, and an It Is Written board member sitting in the back corner, he's got all day and all night to talk to you about search engine optimization. Has nothing else to do. So if you want to talk to Jesse even before you leave, he'll explain to you briefly how it works. But you see, this is a tool that you can use and utilize to give your website a greater opportunity of being discovered. No point just, be, just being out there was great when there were three websites. But now there are so many websites, just being out there isn't enough. Do what you can to optimize people's opportunity to come to your website. And then the hard work that you've put in is more likely to pay off. Now, something else that I want to ask you a question, and that's this. Who is your audience? It's significant. Um, now that you know that there are as many Spanish speakers on the internet as there are English speakers, why don't you offer something in Spanish? See, you're thinking, well, I must link to English language websites. Well, no. You ought to link to some Spanish language websites, too. At It Is Written, we have It Is Written, and we also have Escrito Esta, which is It Is Written in Spanish. And so people who, who, who want to study in Spanish can flip over to Escrito Esta. If they go to Escrito Esta, they can come to itiswritten.com. 
you want to think about your audience. You know, let, let me, just because this thought just came to my mind, let me tell you something that kills me. Years ago, if you wanted to study about Ellen White on the internet, you got 700 anti-Ellen White websites before you got to the White Estate website. I don't know why in the world. Now, if, if you want to tell me this has happened, I would just say, may the road rise up to meet you. But I don't know why our church or some church members never figured out that what we needed to do was build 200 very positive Ellen White websites and drop them on the internet. And then do whatever we do to, 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 to direct traffic there so people are more likely to find out the truth rather than the lie. The internet gives us the opportunity to do that. Maybe that's happening. I notice now it's easier to find good stuff than bad stuff. There isn't any point in producing your sermons at church on cassette anymore, except for a few elderly people who aren't ever going to use CDs or iPods. Um, that's why it's important to know who your audience is. Study to know technology so you can know how to reach them on their terms or on their devices. When we advertise an evangelistic series, I've had people say to me, what are you going to do to advertise to reach the youth? Now, call me a heretic if you want to. My answer is nothing. I would never advertise on a top 40 radio station. Never. If you gave me $20,000 and said, I'm donating this to you to advertise on a top 40 radio station, I would say to you, can we put it on the Rush Limbaugh program or Dr. Laura instead? And if you threatened to keep your $20,000, I would probably let you because it would be a waste of money to advertise. I used to work in the radio industry, so I understand. It would just be a waste. You don't want to strike while the iron is cold. You don't want to reach an audience that is unreachable or isn't interested. What are you trying to communicate? How are you connecting your message with those that you hope to reach? Defining an audience is different in an evangelistic sense because our target audience is always sinners, lost people. But is your target audience people from the Middle East? Maybe. Somebody better be putting websites out there in Farsi and, and, and other languages, that, uh, Arabic and so on. If you have a, a Jewish ministry, then you're going to know who you're targeting. Jews, you're targeting Hindus. Are you going after atheists or, or postmodern people? Now, it is written, we do not intentionally target atheists. We don't intentionally target Buddhists. We don't intentionally target Hindus. Why? Because they're not coming to us. What's an atheist doing coming to itiswritten.com, a Christian website? They're not coming. So we target the people who are likely to come to us. That just makes sense. Now, if we can pick up some of the others along the way, we're happy about it, but that's not our target audience. You cannot be all things to all people. Considering our audience helped us as we developed our one-minute daily devotional, Every Word. I hope before you go, you'll pick up some of these Every Word cards. You can share them with others. It's a terrific tool, a one-minute daily devotional that takes a Bible verse and applies it and shows how that verse can be a blessing in your life today. Um, we decided that we would, we would make it one minute long. I thought two minutes would be better. But I was, uh, I was uh, convinced otherwise. One minute has been good. People say, everybody's got a minute. 
and in a minute you're able to deliver a pointed spiritual thought that can be a blessing to somebody. It clearly isn't an evangelistic series, but it isn't designed to be. It's a thought starter. It's a door opener. It's a discussion starter, you understand. Um, sometimes we do two minutes, maybe one in ten is two minutes long. Some people say it's the right length. Some people say, I wish it was longer. But either way, people are watching it. And we made it how we made it in response to the marketplace. Online, let's offer people a minute. This way, too, one minute long, it's usable on television networks, and so the networks run it as well. It's considering the online marketplace. Now, our primary distribution is a daily email and our website. You can find it on YouTube and here and there as well, but those aren't our primary distribution um, instruments. And we get really good feedback. What we did, too, is we realized that people would be likely to take this and post it on Facebook to share with others. And people do. It has been instrumental, uh, I think a key component, in raising our own Facebook profile. Um, in the last year and a half, we have increased our Facebook following by about a thousand percent, which is good. It also in, is indicative that our Facebook following wasn't really that great before. But now we have almost 65,000 Facebook followers, which isn't the most. Uh, you know, there are football players who've got 10 times more than that, but it's not bad. And we had lots and lots and lots of non-Adventists. And you know how we did it? A couple of ways. We were careful with the content that we used. We realized that certain things get shared a lot and certain things don't. So if you look at our Facebook page, and I hope you will, what, I'd, I'd love it if you just follow us on Facebook and then you can see what we're doing, because it has worked. We, have, we discovered, and you know, look, if you can't beat them, join them. We discovered that people didn't necessarily want a steady diet of, um, there's an evangelistic series here, or here's a Bible study here, or Pastor Bradshaw is filming on location in um, Geneva, Switzerland, or here's a photo in front of the statue in Worms, Germany. I mean, I think all those things are great. That gets my motor running. But the average Facebook person, eh, you know, how, you know when someone's motivated by what they see, because if they are, they will share it. And that's what you want on Facebook. Facebook isn't the, isn't the business of addition, it's the business of multiplication. So we started sharing inspiration. I almost feel, I, I shouldn't feel embarrassed talking about this, but we have, uh, we have one of our staff members who is very good at finding inspirational thoughts to share. There'll be a beautiful picture, Maybe a Bible verse, maybe a thought, maybe a quote, maybe a, a, a story with a great lesson that touches the heart. It's inspirational. And people start sharing it. So when we see that 80,000 people have seen one of our Facebook posts, even though at the time we only had 40,000 Facebook followers, 40,000 followers, 80,000 people have seen the post, we know that there are people sharing it like crazy. And you can read, you know how Facebook works, you can read how many people are sharing and so forth. So I would encourage you, if you're thinking of using Facebook, if you're on Facebook doing something uh, meaningful, if you, if you want to get people to buy in, don't be posting junk. 
Now, your own personal Facebook, that's where you go, had pizza today. That's where you say, got to take the dog to the vet. That's where you say, don't you hate rainy days? I don't have my own personal Facebook page. But in ministry, keep away from that. I, I noticed once I commented on something in, in the news, and it was something really mundane on Twitter. Somebody shot back and said, since when did it is written get into the uh, entertainment business? Or something like that. They said, uh, if I want to get my entertainment news from it is written, I'll let you know. Something like that. I thought... Okay, I just learned something. We're perceived in a certain way. And now, now that, that may or may not be a good thing, but we're perceived as spiritual. Stay spiritual. All right, all right. Person didn't sign up to follow us on Twitter to hear me blather on about things of no particular importance. All right, I got it. So what you want with Facebook and Twitter is to find out what, what scratches people's itch and what motivates them to share that with others. And you see, then, if we have 5,000 Facebook followers and we say, hey, for $75, you can give someone their eyesight, click on our Eyes for India link and help us give the gift of sight. Well, if you've got 5,000 people following, you might get, I don't know, let's say five people are interested. But if you grow that Facebook audience uh, uh, intelligently and you get to 65,000 followers, how many more people are likely to be interested in your Eyes for India project? How many more people are likely to share that with their Facebook followers? So that's what we see Facebook enabling us to do. I spoke with a young pastor who was an evangelist in the Washington, pastor evangelist in the Washington, D.C. area. He talked to me about how they used Facebook to really boost their evangelistic series. The young people got involved. You know, on Facebook, everybody's got a profile picture. They had all the young people in the church change their profile picture to the evangelistic meeting logo. And so whenever they posted, people would say, what's that? They got to share with all their Facebook followers. So they used Facebook evangelistically. I haven't heard of Facebook being used evangelistically like that very often, but it can be. And that's where churches need to start thinking. You've got a health seminar, get your church members talking about it on Facebook. Change the profile picture. Get them on their email to put that little tagline. Our church has a health program, you should come. Click here. Yes, ma'am. By the way, at any time if you have a question, just, uh, just let me know. Just had a youth crusade, yes. And the youth department has a web page. Youth department web page. And we did that. Yes. We, we posted a flyer. On the web page. Yep. And it was one of the most successful. It was, is that right? So using the web page of the, of the youth department of the church to advertise the evangelistic series paid off. You know, it depends on how people are going to drive people to that website. Some of our other Adventist churches, they, they could set their website on fire and, well, it'd probably be a good thing because they're not using their website much for anything. Social media, please don't be fooled by social media. There is not a lot of soul winning done in social media. Social media isn't a strategy, but it can be part of your strategy. You aren't going to change the world through Facebook or Twitter. You're not. 
I post on Twitter frequently. Through it is written. I don't have my own Twitter, Twitter account. We post on F Facebook frequently. We do something on Pinterest. Now, lady back there asked me what was the third question, and the third question was, a third point was, how deep a hole are you digging for yourself? Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, what else? Someone said that I ought to get involved in Google circles. I probably should, but I'm going around in circles as it is, keeping up with all the other social media stuff. So for me, I've decided I had to draw a line. Oh, Google Plus. Wasn't Google Plus a... a, a, a I, I decided not. I said, I'm sticking with Facebook. Forget Google Plus. And Google Plus kind of flamed out anyway. I haven't heard much about it lately. So anyhow, you've got to consider how much you're willing to do. But I would say this, you ought to do something. If you have a Twitter feed, use it. If you have a Facebook page, update it regularly. Now, you can knock yourself out with this. This is what I'm saying before. How deep a hole are you digging? I would say if your entity has a social media component, you need to designate somebody to be the quarterback of that social media component. Social media at times, boy, I, I take on a little too much with that. Um, it will run you ragged. You need to get people, a person, or a team. Our Twitter following has more than doubled in the past year. Facebook has blown up. Uh, use it wisely. It's good for buzz. It's good because you want your name to be there. But after that, be very careful. Um, now, now, I'll tell you about a success story we had with our online marketplace. We knew that part of our target audience at It Is Written was children. And so we, this is before my time, we, the ministry, originated My Place With Jesus. It became a runaway success. A website for children. It's interactive. It has a little video clips and Bible studies and devotionals and games and fun. It's engaging. It is safe. You'll see kids around here at ASI with My Place for Jesus t-shirts on. Um, that was a good thing. We said in the online marketplace, we want to go after children. Now let me ask you, was it expensive or inexpensive? It wasn't inexpensive. Did it take a lot of time? Yes, it did. Did it consume a lot of the ministry's focus? Yes, it did. Does it continue to consume resources now? Not an obscene amount by any stretch of the imagination, but yes, we've got to keep it going. You've got to consider the cost and consider what it's going to take to keep this thing effective. The thing is this. If you go to my place with Jesus, you say, ah, a kid's website and it's easy to follow. You want your online presence to be the same. Easy to follow, easy to figure out. I would encourage you to be simple. You want people to come to your place and get it straight away. And I'll, I'll come back to this again at the end, I'm sure. Well, I don't have time to, I'll come back to it again. If your presence in the online marketplace is, is geared around you proving a point, or being clever, or showing off. You might end up with the nicest site on the street. You might have the best app in town, but you have to ask yourself what the point of it all is. Activity doesn't equal effectiveness. A man told me he came to ASI years ago, handed out thousands of CDs, didn't get one response. It was a great project, 
but he used the wrong method for promoting it if what he was looking for was feedback. You can do the same thing in the online arena. It doesn't, oh, I mentioned that thing a moment ago. I would say this. I don't know, it would probably help me to know ahead of time what your interest in online ministry is. But here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to link to stuff online, depending on, uh, depending on what you are all about. If, you are, uh, if you're operating an orphanage in Thailand, then you probably don't want to put 20 links to other ministries operating orphanages in other parts of the world because they're going to get the donations and not you. However, I would encourage you to link to Bible studies here and there. Now, if you're an orphanage ministry, do you want to link to Bible studies? Yes, you do. I don't care what kind of ministry you are. Link to Bible studies. That's what we do. If all you want to do is get money for your orphanage, you're not thinking big enough. Engage people in studying the Bible. You want to win a soul as well as feed hungry children and house them as well. Link to Bible studies. Link to content. Give people the opportunity to hear stuff, to see stuff. Linking is easy and it's free. You can do it any day of the week and it doesn't take any trouble at all. That, and what that does is you say to yourself, well, we would like to do this on the internet, but it's going to cost us a million dollars. Why don't we just link to someone else who spent a million dollars? And we get to utilize, utilize the product without spending the million dollars. Now, of course, you know, you link to somebody, you, you send them studies.itiswritten.com, they'll study the Bible on our website. I don't think there's any harm in that, but they came to the Bible studies via you. You want to update your content uh, somewhat so that it's fresh, so that it looks like things are changing a little bit. If you are uh, linking to sermons from your church, make them easy to find. If you've got a church webpage, make the sermons easy to find. My wife was singing at church recently, and I knew where she was. I knew they had a website. I went to the church website. Man, I couldn't find how to watch the church service, even though they were streaming it live in real time. So I had to go to the local television station. I knew they were broadcasting it. I found it there. Make things easy to find. Use sermons. Man, you want to. You want to use sermons and radio programs and devotionals. Everything you can. Everything you can. Um, we, we tend to miss the boat a bit in the online marketplace, but the devil does not. So use the online marketplace. Tell people, if you want to watch an evangelistic series, don't use those words. There's one coming up, October the 11th, Revelation Today, with it is written in Charlotte. Here's a link. You can watch it right here. Why would you not? Why would you not put a link saying, if you want to watch Christian television, watch 3ABN right here, link to it. And if you're supposed to ask permission, I'm not sorry for not telling you to ask permission. Link link to stuff. Get Bible studies. Put them on your website. You can get devotional materials and articles, the sort of thing that's going to engage people, not just engage them, but lead them further. Here's a mistake. A mistake. Before I came to this written, somebody who is a technical type of a person said this. Well, one person asked a question. The question was, when we ask people to come to our website to download stuff, 
For your free download of John Bradshaw's latest small book, go to itiswritten.com and just download it. And you can. It's like that. What we didn't do was ask people to give us an email address before they download. The thinking was, we just want people to have it, no barriers. That was the thinking. We're going to change that. If they don't want it, they don't have to download it. If they want it, they can give us an email address. Why? Follow up. Follow up. Ladies and gentlemen, if your church is handing out the great controversy in your town without an offer for Bible studies or without some mechanism of leading people back to the church, just stop and fix the problem and then resume your, your work. You want a trail for the people to follow to get to deeper Bible study and to connect with the church eventually. And you want that online. So we're going to change that online. Soon, if you want to download anything for free, give us that email address. You're going to say, well, I don't want you having an email address. Then I don't want you having the free stuff. Because we want to be able to go after you and offer you a Bible study, offer you more material, offer you the chance to donate. And by the way, about three years ago, I said to my family, family, I said, We've got offering money left over at the end of the year that we need to donate before the 31st. So let's make some decisions together. Where should we donate it? I've got to be careful how much I tell you here. And my son came up with a good idea. And he said, Dad, based on XYZ, Z, sorry, we should give some money to this particular ministry. I said, that's a good idea. So here's what I'll do. I could write a check, but I don't know the address. So I'll go online to their website and I'll donate on their website. I couldn't find out how to donate. I said, no problem. I'll look around the website for a mailing address. I couldn't find a mailing address. So I went to Google and I Googled the organization looking for a mailing address. Still couldn't find one. And they didn't get the money. And they're having a hard time financially today. And I say to myself, is it any wonder? So if you have uh, some kind of enterprise where you want people to donate, make it easy for them to donate. Have a button that says, donate here, prominently featured. That's That's just the reality. Now, you may not. You may not be in 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 an online ministry where you want people to donate. But if you are, make it easy for them to do so. It's important that you do. Um, I haven't discussed apps. Apps are an important piece of the online marketplace puzzle. They're important. It is written as an app. It's pretty good. Most ministries do. They're not cheap. Um, Let's not talk more about it because I don't know how relevant it is to what we're doing here. Um, The online marketplace puts some incredible tools into your hands. Doing online ministry doesn't have to be expensive. There are, there are free websites or, or free website templates that you can use. They're not expensive, but you want to be current. You want to be up to date. You want to be with it. Don't let your website languish. Uh, uh, get fresh content on there, uh, fresh studies, fresh publications. Uh, that's important today. Let me ask you, we've got a few minutes left, and if I don't ask sooner or later, I will run out of time. Does anybody have any questions at this stage?
the, the word no is okay, I'll get finished and we'll be done on time or maybe even a little bit early. But if you have questions, let me know. We have done a number of things that have worked. The one-minute daily devotional, it wins. People use it. People respond to it. No one's afraid of it. It's user-friendly. Television programs that people can sit back and watch over a period of time, that wins as well because people get in, they're engaged. If they don't like it, they turn off, they click on something else. The radio, you know, you know what's interesting. Years ago, a friend and I filmed a series of 15-minute radio programs. And I don't know how many we did. We did 100 or 200. I don't know how many we did. And they were broadcast on Life Talk Radio and other places. And they were made available online. Just the other day, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And somebody came up to me and he said, you did the program Bible Talk with Gary Gibbs, didn't you? Yes, I did. That was some years ago. He said it was because of that program that I was baptized. Really, tell me more. He found it online and listened to it again and again and again. Lots of programs. These were doctrinal programs that gave people the opportunity to get their questions answered. We talked about speaking in tongues and the state of the dead and hellfire and clean and unclean foods and the seventh-day Sabbath and the change of the Sabbath and the second coming and the rapture and the millennium and the Antichrist, the whole nine yards. On the Internet, you get the opportunity to tell the whole story. I would urge you to be faithful to the ministry and the message and the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Put it out there. Let people study their way through the 28 fundamental beliefs, if I can put it that way. I, I think the, the greatest tool we have is online Bible studies. That's what I think. Uh, at It Is Written, we have just completed a new series of Bible studies, 25 Bible studies. We've now gone into the production phase, and I don't know exactly when they'll be available. Two, uh, three months from now, something like that. They'll be available online. I don't know that they're the best Bible studies ever written. They're certainly not the worst, but that's not the point. They're new, they're relevant, they're up-to-date, they are clear, they are concise. Link to Bible studies like that. Find the way that you, can, that you can have those sort of things reside on your website. Give people the chance to study the Word of God. You know, I want to share with you a, a couple of little quotes here. Um... In an interview when he was still the General Conference President, Jan Paulson, Dr. Paulson said, never underestimate the unknown fruitfulness that results from your evangelism efforts. You hold an evangelistic series and nobody is baptized. But you don't know that the one family moved away to another part of the country and they were baptized and became missionaries. You never know that. Thousands of baptisms because of a failed evangelistic series. What about the internet? Surely, surely in today's world, uh, the effectiveness is even uh, greater. Elder Paulson also said this, There is no doubt in my mind that internet evangelism is going to give us a possibility that far exceeds what we've been able to do through the other media. I think that our opportunities in internet evangelism are really virtually unlimited. Your opportunity... To impact the world is unlimited. Online, you can utilize social media. You can use uh, traditional websites. 
you can, you can present all kinds of content. Oh, by the way, let me say this. A certain ministry that I won't name, it's a ministry that I work for, but I'm not going to name the ministry, got itself into some strife a few years ago. We discovered that somebody was using artwork that they got from us on their website. We had to say, please stop using that artwork, please. The person didn't respond graciously by saying, oh, sure, sorry. They said, and why should I? Well, because of copyright issues. The person said, you mean that I can't do this for the glory of God? What is wrong with selfish people who copyright their work? How dare they? I will not desist. So we said, yes, you will. You really have to. Be careful what you put on your website that isn't yours. What happens is this. Some years ago, there was a series of evangelistic images that were created. The disc said, only use an evangelistic presentation up on the screen, in church. That's all. People don't read that stuff. Or if they do, they don't care. And those images have been used everywhere, on websites and you name it. But here's the issue. An artist has to create the image. And the artist creates images for a living. For a living. That's how the artist feeds his or her family. So when the artist creates an image, and then other people use it all over the world on the internet, well, the artist could be flattered. Hey, that's my image that's being used on a website in China. Hey. Or the artist could say, that's theft. They've stolen my stuff. I want money for that. That's how I, that's how I make a living. Now, if you, want to, if you want to steal one of my sermons and put it on the internet, oh, wait a minute, I shouldn't even tell you that. Just don't tell me. I won't consider it stealing. I'll say... Just get the message out there. Oh, man, can we edit this tape? That's all I'll do. I don't care because I don't get paid by the sermon. Artists get paid for their art. So don't think it's okay to use copyrighted art and put it on your website. Oh, but we're just a local church. Oh, we're doing this for Jesus. Artists are saying, I'm just a local artist and I'm doing this for survival. So it's important that you don't just think you can use any. There's lots of free art you can get. A lot of the stuff that the U.S. government produces is copyright free. You can reasonably inexpensively subscribe to photo banks and get all kinds of stuff. But I just need to tell you, uh, it, you know, it's okay, I think, to link to somebody else's ministry. But please don't beautify your website with somebody else's copyrighted artwork. That's copyright infringement. And uh, there's a good likelihood that a Christian artist is going to give you a surprise by saying, you owe me money. Pay up or else. Yes, ma'am.
those things on Google Images are probably somebody else's property. Yeah. The expert has said they are. And I think that's the case. Now, are they always? No. Yeah, but usually. That's right. You don't know. You shouldn't assume. Um, Same with music, too. Same with music. Music is copyrighted. And, and don't be thinking, oh, it's a nice Seventh-day Adventist musician. They won't mind. Yes, they will. Yes. If you search and include the term Creative Commons, you can probably find right. something that is copyright-free. Creative Commons? Creative Commons. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of stuff that is free. Don't, don't be tempted, you be tempted, but don't succumb to the temptation to use what is not rightly yours. Thomas, you going to say something? Same thing. Creative Commons. There's good stuff you can use, but don't be saying, oh, here's a, I won't name any, here, here's this, this great Seventh-day Adventist artist. His art is so beautiful. I'll put it on my website for the love of Jesus. And he'll understand. He'll understand, all right, but he'll probably also want you to pay. Because, and, and, I'm, and I don't fault artists for that. It's what they do for a living. So you may fault them, but it's the law and it's how they survive. Our time is up. I hope you can take away something from this that's been positive. I want to summarize by saying this. Do get involved in online ministry. Do use your opportunities online with a point. The point being to connect people to the truth of the Bible. Do be creative. Don't dig so deep a hole that you've created a monster that you can't afford, that you don't have time for. Don't clutter your message with that which is unimportant. Stick to what's important. Man, one of the most used websites in the world no exaggeration, is also one of the simplest, most basic websites you'll ever see. What is it? Google. Now, what they figured out is that they want to do what they do as simply and effectively as possible. Now, if anyone wants to impress anyone, it's Google. Now, their one little concession is those little doodads they have in the name Google. That's their one little, we're getting creative. But that makes the news, so they're smart to do that. Google keeps it simple, and they show how effective simple can be. If you would use the internet in a way that lifts up Jesus, that presents good content. Uh, if you ever want to talk to us, that it is written about using the one-minute daily devotional, you're welcome to it. That's new every day. Something new every day you can put on your website that is spiritual and engages people in the Bible. Um, you can do that. So you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to ask uh, my good friend. I'm not going to ask you to come forward because no one ever does. Or few pe the people on the front row do because they feel bad if they don't. Um, but if you would like to take some of these Every Word cards, just to, just to hand out, just to share with someone, say, hey, check this out. I want you to have a look at Every Word as well. It's a great tool. It's an example of what you can do on the Internet. You want to go to the door and wait with those? Would you mind doing that? Thanks very much. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I'm grateful that you've given us the tool of the internet. It's a wonderful tool in the hands of the devil, but a more wonderful tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, as your people in these last days, help us to be effective out there. And we know there are, there's a proliferation of good, truth-filled websites. Direct people to them, Lord, and let people engage with you and the message. And then beyond the website, let people engage with your remnant church that soon they'll be standing on a sea of glass sealed with the seal of God. Bless us now in the rest of this ASI convention. Keep us, I ask you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.